guys and welcome to Taylor's Life. Today I'm joined by Lindsay and we met through the channel for training scheme and Lindsay was a speaker in one of our training sessions and I felt like I could relate to her quite a lot so we both grew up in foster care, we've both decided to do the TV route and I'd just be interested to learn a little bit more about Lindsay's journey so without further ado let's welcome Lindsay to the Taylor's Life podcast. Hello Lindsay and welcome. Hi thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. How has life been? Have you had a busy few months? Oh, it's it's been crazy. Um, I've just come off a project. Um, so I'm then going to be heading off to the TV festival. So it's just it's it's nonstop. Oh my gosh, it's good that you're busy though. We love busy. Well, obviously it's been a difficult time, and obviously you know we've had COVID and things have changed a lot. So I think being able to kind of keep you know contracts and stay in work. Um, you know, I've not I've not done too bad on that front. Amazing. Just shows how good you are at what you do as well. So <laughs> I'd be interested to talk a little bit more before we get into TV and things, a little bit more about your past. So we can just paint a picture about what happened through your upbringing and stuff. So you grew up in foster care. So how long were you in the care system for? So I kind of moved around a lot and it wasn't till I was about 12 or 13 that I probably finally got my last home, but it wasn't a foster home um what you would think um so I ended up in in, in a care home um itself so I was with a lot of other children um up until um you know I was 16. You've been in a lot of homes then so just for our listeners they might not understand so essentially it's a bit like the Tracy Beaker sort of homes I'm I'm rolling with even though I hate comparing us to that TV show because I think it's really um, it's a, a wrong sort of portrayal but it is it is a house of lots of people. Well actually Tracy Beaker is something that I was going to speak about a little bit later uh, later on down the line but that's essentially what it, it was like was a house with lots of other young children and you would have staff you would have carers that would look after you uh, but it, it didn't look like the Tracy Beaker home in the sense it did inside but very much the Tracy Beaker, you know, that show portrays that you can kind of come and go freely. But there were bars on the windows, there were locks on the doors, you know, you weren't just able to kind of help yourself, you know, to cutlery or, you know, like to something out the fridge. You know, you know, everything was scheduled in terms of, terms of you know, having your breakfast, you know, having your dinner. Um, so it was very different uh, to being in, you know, a, you know a, a family a proper family basically yeah that sounds nothing like a proper family like schedules to a tea bars on the window that sounds like a prison to me honestly well I, I mean I've used that word a lot of times before <laughs> obviously I try not to use it now as I'm older but obviously when I was younger that's how it felt to me um, you know, like I said, bars on the windows and, you know, nighttime when you wanted a cup of tea, you'd, you'd have to have one and you'd get a basket, pa- packet with two biscuits in it, you know, so you couldn't have, you know, say two packets, you know. Oh, my God. There's always those restrictions. So um, how many people were in this house with you growing up, like in the house share, I guess? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was such a long time ago, but I would definitely say there was definitely at least five or six of us there was there's was quite a few of us you know in the home and because I wasn't I was in a home like not like the home that you're describing but I was in a home with lots of sort of 
um, children in it, but it was normally for respite once they try and look for a longer placement. And um, are you in contact with any of these people now? No, I think I did a lot of the the respites and as you would go you would know you probably go for one two weeks maybe a little bit more time but very rarely because you moved around a lot um people very rarely uh, stayed in touch you didn't really get attached um and I think it was very difficult I think for foster parents as well when you're getting so many kids that are just coming in week after week for a few you know one or two nights or, or a week at a time I think it can be difficult because um to kind of keep in touch and maintain a bond with that child because you've got you know you've got others that are just coming in after them you know I think it's hard to maintain those long-term relationships. I think if a child gets um, a long-term home, that's very different. I think you, a parent, you know, they're able to build up that relationship with the child. But in in respite care, um, obviously, it's just you're just trying to give a little bit of peace of mind for that child. You know, for that for however long it will be, whether it be a period of an hour, a couple of days, or a week. Yeah, definitely, because respite I've I've been in quite a few like respite homes I guess and it it is hard to build relationships and there's only been a few times where there's been like foster siblings in the house with me as well and most of the time I you know it's really hard to build and maintain those relationships and I'd be interested in learning a little bit more about your schooling so it was it was probably very obvious if anybody knew that where you lived that you were a foster child essentially so how did that affect your school life and were you bullied for it basically yeah I mean there was a lot of bullying I mean obviously in the foster home I didn't have really discrimination because we were all coming from you know um from different backgrounds obviously homes that that weren't great so I think when it came to schooling um people instantly knew that you that you was different even if you didn't say they kind of just knew um and I think as well I think the system made it very difficult for me in terms of school because I wanted to go school full-time but because I was moved around a lot um, and obviously you know um, I came from a, a background of um, abuse they didn't kind of really feel that um, I would be able to manage school full-time so I would only be in school like a couple of days a week. They would kind of manage it where I'd maybe go to one lesson and then have a bit of a break and then I kind of, you know, go to another lesson. So they never really gave me that chance to maybe interact with other, you know, other children. Um, and, and, and so I think because of that, kids instantly picked up that you was different. Um, and also, you know, the first school that I ever started, I, I was I was taken into the headmaster's room. And the first thing that he 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 said to me was, well, if, if you don't want to work, you don't have to be here. Then there's just no point in you coming. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, you know, people instantly just assume because you're a child in care that you're a problem child. Yeah. Um, and you treated very differently. So I think as a child in care, I felt that adults would not treat you as, as kindly as well um you know they would see you very differently um so school was a very difficult time for me because obviously people did pick on me and you know obviously being through the system you learn to fight back so I was always in trouble um you know <laughs> um and then when it came to my um exams I mean they was just like oh you don't even don't even bother to turn up 
And and I knew that I'm probably not even going to pass a single one of them. Uh, but I turned up on the day, I, I took my exams, and of course I just failed, I, I failed every single one. Um, but nobody, there was kind of nobody there to kind of direct me or say that, you know, these are what your options would be or, you know. So I was kind of just left to my own devices, really. That's absolutely crazy. And, you know, you've managed to build up a really, really successful career for yourself. And we'll get a bit more into that. But I wanted to give you an example as well of um, a teacher where he made me and my sister feel completely like belittled, I guess. So we were in Welsh class and we were doing like family trees and stuff and in front of everybody in the class who so stood up in the front um he said I'll come to you next I'll tell you what to do and it was just a bit like why are you trying to make me feel different do you know what I mean like that was totally mm-hmm. unnecessary but like it happens a lot in the system and kids do pick up on that and I'm so sorry that you got bullied because it's awful that kids in care they're put in a circumstance um due to like situations and everything like that well out of their control like you know you're in foster care for a reason and you wouldn't be in foster care because of your own fault you know what I mean obviously it it was a very difficult you know time for us um and as I said you, you felt so much cruelty off of other children as it was and then to feel that from adults as well you was always singled out then I think that kind of breaks a child into a lot of pieces and and you sometimes I wonder you know how children can even pick themselves back up after that you know and 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 you can you know I look at kids and I think when they've been through something so traumatic I can understand how they can break especially when uh, you know they're taken out of that situation and then they they are put in, in into the care system and you would think that they would kind of be looked after and be safe, but then to, to go through a, a, a different set of traumas, um, you know, can, can take its toll. Do you ever look back, and I, this is just from like one care experience person to another, do you ever look back at your time in the care system and go, I could never live a day in the care system again? I would, I actually have no idea how I managed to survive, like mentally. I mean, I think that the very difference is, is 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 probably our ages. I mean, I'm a lot older than you. I'm 43 now. So, and I think, you know, speaking with yourself and speaking to other people, um, it's not changed within that time. And that's what's disappointing. You know, the same things that I suffered, um, you know, in, in the system is, you know, still children are still suffering today, if not more, which is really sad. Yeah, it's really difficult. And, you know, I don't want to compare our experiences because we've both gone through the same sort of thing, but different. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, and it, one thing I can say is it, it was hard. It was really hard for the both of us. And it's really traumatic, that sort of constant feeling of being rejected, like nobody wants me, all of these thoughts and feelings running through your sort of mind all the time. And to experience that from really young age, it's, it's awful. This is it. And, and, and the thing is, a lot of foster parents want babies. I can certainly understand why they want babies. Um, you know, but then what's what does that mean for the, the you know, the other children that 
are left there that kind of, you know, have suffered these traumas, do you know? They need just, they need loving homes as well. And I- if, if they can't find homes, then I do think places like, um, you know, like these, I think that, I just think they could do a lot better. They definitely could. And, you know, babies grow up, do you know what I mean? So they're going to be toddlers in care, then they're going to be teenagers in care. So, you know, you can't keep on just looking after babies. It's not realistic. And now that we've painted a picture of, like, your your past growing up and stuff, which is, is, is not, it's not pleasant, and you failed all of your exams and stuff, so what were your next steps? So I then did um, a business training scheme because I didn't know what else to do. You know, at that point, I didn't even know I could go to university. I didn't even know university was a thing, really. You know, so all I knew was that 16, you know, um, I would be turfed out into my own home and I would have to fend for myself. So I think obviously that might have changed now. But, you know, at that time, you couldn't stay in the care home till you was 18 so 16 is a very young age to have your own apartment and have to be out there kind of looking for a job. So obviously I did, um, you know, this business administration degree. And from there, I ended up, you know, working in this, uh, it was a big furniture store in the accounts department. And and from there, I kind of just got this work ethic. I just kind of knew I just didn't want to fail. I worked that job for maybe about a year until I got my qualification and then I ended up um, getting a job and I stuck at that job for like 13 years Um, I worked worked my way up in the industry and you know I absolutely loved it and I would have stayed there till I you know till retirement but it just comes to a point where you know I was constantly not being seen so I would do the work and when it came to promotions we're like well you haven't got a degree and what they would do is bring somebody in who is above me and then expect me to train them. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I was just like, I'm not going to do this for another 30 years, you know. And I, I was just so upset. So I walked out and I went to see a careers advisor. And that was the first time in my life anybody had ever told me that I could go to university. And, um, you know, and he was like, well, what do you want to do? And you can do this test and it, and I think it's like a hundred questions and then it tells you kind of what, you know, what you would, what you'd be good at in the industry, but nothing just really, you know, seemed to stick out for me. And all I'd ever been interested in since I was in a care home was TV, but obviously that was out of my reach, um, you know. Um, so there was a communications and media degree at the uni- Leeds University and I went up to see um, a tutor there and there was literally like this degree starting next week. How about hopping on? And I was just like, oh, my God, I've got no GCSEs. And they was just like, well, luckily for you, this particular degree, you didn't have to have GCSEs. They was just like, you just need to sit some maths and English entrance exams. And if you pass them, you can get on and do the, you know, do the, um, the degree. And I couldn't believe it. I passed. And then, you know, before I knew I'd been, I was I was finishing my degree. But to get in TV, I knew that I didn't need a degree. But because of the background of where I come from, I was always going to be sort of belittled and nobody was ever going to take me seriously. So the degree was to prove to everybody and also to myself that, you know what, I, you know, I can, I can do this. And it was at the end of the degree, that's when I applied for the power production training scheme, to, you know, to get into television. 
That's amazing. We'll chat more about that in a second. But I just wanted to let you know if you didn't know this statistic. And this is the statistic now. So it must have been much, much lower when you were going to university. But only 6% of care leavers go to university. That's like a shocking number. And this that's in this day and age. So I was actually 35 or 36 when I realised I could go. So it wasn't, you know, when I'd left. It took me a long time, you know, to get myself on my feet and to kind of realise that, you know, that I could do that. Well, it's really, really inspiring that you did. And also the fact that you were 16 and you had your own sort of place and you were like, I want a better future for myself. Like that's a really, really mature mindset to have at 16. I mean, it was and you wouldn't really expect a 16 year old to kind of have that mindset so I can it's I can certainly understand how you know others don't make it absolutely and you know it's really really sad but like the homelessness um statistic I can't remember off the top of my head but I'll pop it in the description box it's a shocking statistic like that and you know to have a mindset where you're like I literally cannot do this anymore like my past wants me to fail but my future doesn't and you have to look forward in times like that and when you applied for the power production scheme what was the sort of um, system you see there was there was just really great it was it was a simple interview and an application and you know everything that i'd been discriminated against um you know for i have a disability i you know i'm mixed race i like i said i'm a child out of care you know all these things they didn't discriminate against me that they kind of welcomed that and they was like you know obviously you know thousands of people you know i I, i've won a place on the scheme um which which was amazing it kind of did change my life because i just thought oh my god i'm never going to get into television for me I felt it was very elitist because when you look at the cost of the camera courses or, you know, a lot of these training schemes, I still wouldn't have been able to afford those. Um, you know, so for, for me, I felt like, you know, it, it, those things were only accessible to certain people in the world. And definitely I was I was kind of at the bottom of that. But look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, that's very much. It's very much on the up, and that that's changing. TV's changing. It, it is changing, uh, which which is great. And you know, it, obviously, this is the amazing thing. They're, they're wanting people like us to be able to have a voice, and that does make a difference. You know, it does make a difference in television. It makes for different stories as well, different points of views, everything like that. And it's just so amazing that TV is just getting slightly more accessible for people. And yeah, the Channel 4 production training scheme, it is life changing, especially if you come from a care background, because it gives you that sense of stability for however long you're in it. Well, this is it, because with them, it was a year contract that I got. They put me in, into an independent company. So it gave me that stability. And they made sure, obviously, that, you know, the, the, my wages was there, what I needed for that year to be able to get on, on my feet, which is something that I wouldn't have been able to do without that scheme. Amazing. Do you know, it's incredible. And where has that scheme taken you now? Like, what things have you worked on, TV experiences that you want to chat about? 
Well, actually, you were mentioning Tracy Beaker um, earlier on. And actually, um, I worked on Kids TV, uh, The Surprising Story, and that's with Connie. Um, and she tells, you know, she tells how children's TV's sort of been the forefront of, of social change. And Tracy Beaker was one of the, the programmes that came up. And I was actually asked to write, um, you know, a piece on this. Um, and I was kind of very much open and, and it kind of opened my eyes to look at Tracy Beaker very differently because as we, we were talking earlier on, um, it's, it's about a group, kids in a group home, but it, it's nothing really like that. But how much can you kind of really, you know, information you can give to children without scaring them? Yeah. So I do believe that some things, you know, that, you know, we kind of do need to sort of ease children into it a little bit. But I also think that we should be, we, you shouldn't be sugarcoating things. And, you know, like like I say, it, it kind of makes it look like it's probably the best place to be in the world. You know what I mean? And that's just, that's just not it. But for me, um, because I'd have experience with that and nobody else had, they asked me to kind of write this bio and write this piece on it. Um, and at first, it was my first time doing a researcher role as well. I kind of did what every other researcher would do. I got online, looked up the research that was out there, wrote up this piece, and then I sent it off. And she just, she come back to me and she says, no. What? <laughs> she says, no. Yeah, she was just like, I, I want you. She goes, I want you. She goes, you're the, you, the only person who's had this experience. And she goes, I don't want to know what everybody else is saying. I kind of want to know from your experience and what you think. So I was just like, literally, I put the phone down and I was having a meltdown because I knew what she meant. You mm. know, I had written it from other people's perspective and not really from my own because it was the first time that I'd actually been asked. Somebody had asked me about my, my life because I am 43 and most people know that I was in the children's home but has never asked me anything about it. So obviously it was triggering for me because I then had to write this piece, but I'd never really talked about my life in care. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wrote up this piece and I sent it off and she rang me and the phone was just silent. And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, this is my first research job. This is it. I'm, I'm going to be fired. I'm going to be fired. And it was just silent on the other end. And the reason why it was silent is because she couldn't speak because she was in tears. Like she was welling up that much, the piece that I'd written. And then I realised then, you know what, like I'd spent all my life kind of hiding who I was, you know, being two people, you know. And in that moment, it was kind of, um, I don't know what, what I would say, it was kind of refreshing for me because it made me realise that, you know what, this is the reason why I chose to be in TV, you know. And this is why they picked me for this project as well, because of, you know, that experience that I had. And, you know, it can it can make a difference. And it made a difference to, you know, the piece, you know, to obviously the way that they was looking at the script. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think for me, um, that was probably one of the best highlights, probably you know, the best programmes that I've worked on. Um, because, as I said, I was a child in care. Um, I grew up with Tra watching Tracy Beaker. My daughters then watched Tracy Beaker. And I even had to ban my daughter at one point from watching Tracy Beaker because she just copied, you know, like some of the, the you oh. know, like the, the, the tricks that she would be doing and, um, you know, like causing mayhem around the house and stuff like that. So I had to ban her at one point 
So for me to kind of, you know, come full circle, really, um, and then to be able to work on this uh, was actually, it was really eye-opening to also see it as well from, you know, a different standpoint of, you know, of how, you know, you know, it kind of was in a way, um, you know, at that, that time, Tracy Beaker was probably one of the first programmes that ever really spoke about kids in care and tried to kind of get a message out there, although it kind of did show this fun and, you know, side of it. Um, you know, I think in essence, I think what they were trying to do, um, you know, I can, I can, I can get on board with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've never thought about it from that sort of perspective before being like, you know, we actually don't want to scare children about being in a foster home. Never, ever thought about it. But the fact that you were able to share your experiences um, and do a full circle is really, really incredible. And I think being in foster care or have grown up in foster care, there's no shame in it. There is literally no shame. And the fact that like you've never really shared your story or you had never shared your story up until this point just shows how the world's changing as well people want to know now people are desperate to know other life experiences and how that can affect somebody mentally like environmentally and things mm -hmm. like that like people do want to know and you're at the forefront of this now so you are literally making change at a young age and that's really really amazing and it's showing that this world is getting better but the thing is foster care as a whole hasn't changed that much i completely agree with you i think it's i think it's got harder i think the world's changed a lot you know and and i think kids are I don't know. I, I, I just think, you know, before we didn't have things in place and it was very hard to kind of monitor what was going on. Uh, but I think now we're in a position where we can kind of do that. We can make these changes. Absolutely. Um, you honestly, hearing your story and how you've managed to fight through it all. And it just shows as well that young people in foster care, they do have to have a thick skin and that can lead them on to some crazy paths in life. But we do get there in the end, we absolutely do. And I've got one more question actually. So what would, I know this might be a really hard sort of question, but what would you say to care leavers that are nervous to leave the care system so i know it's 18 now you get support for and you were 16 but what support would you or advice would you give to them because obviously i came from an era where you know once i left the care system you left that life behind and you kind of moved on you know but i think now i think i would definitely say kind of embrace who you are and I think if you've not got people around you, there are careers advisors, there's definitely places that you can go, like the job centre where people can kind of put, put you in touch with other people that can kind of let you know what, what your life choices are. There's so many schemes out there now. Um, there's information out there I just didn't know and it was it was just having people around me to give me that information. So what I would say is you've got to surround yourself with the right people. Absolutely. I think that's really, really good advice. And yeah, there's lots and lots of sources online. And 
you mentioned it just a second ago but like don't be ashamed to say that you grew up in foster care because there's literally nothing you could have done about it and I remember um for my degree so for my final project I did my final film on the fact that only six percent of care leavers go to university and I remember my lecturer going like oh I just I just don't know Taylor I just don't think people are going to really want to watch that and I was like well even if they don't want to watch it it needs to be heard so I made I made it and it's played at the Foster Wales conference it's been shared to so many social workers across Monmouthshire, Carmarthenshire, Pembrokeshire and it's the fact that like real people are sharing their real experiences and yeah there's no shame in being a care leaver. And I think obviously you know how can we make change if the if we don't stand up I've I've known I've stayed silent for so long and it and it's it's hampered me throughout my life and um, not being able to speak my truth from that moment that you can kind of just be free you know you kind of realize the world is your oyster you know don't let anybody say to you you can't do this or feel that because you know you you were in foster care that these opportunities you know aren't there there for you you know yeah you might have to fight for them a little bit harder but what I'd say is don't give up you know keep knocking on doors you know there's always going to be one that's going to open absolutely and I think the advice you gave there is a perfect note to end on so I want to thank you so much for taking the time in your very busy schedule to be on my podcast and just talk about your experiences you're really going to help people I know that thanks very much for having me of course it was an absolute pleasure thank you and I'll speak to you soon thank you guys for listening and I'll speak to you soon Lindsay